today we are talking about the kingdom of God, what it is, what it means for us, and uh, we often talk about it, we hear lots of sermons about it, but it's so important to really grasp what it means, because our understanding of what the kingdom of God is will determine how we live our lives in our love for him and in our love for our neighbour. It affects the way we share the gospel and the way we demonstrate it. Mm. So can I invite you to turn in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 4, really well-known passage in Luke chapter 4 and from verse 16 to verse 21. And this this passage uh, takes place right at the start of Jesus's ministry. He has just been baptized. He has just had his time in the wilderness under, you know, with Satan's temptation and he's ready now. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went in the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus was reading from Isaiah 61, where it talks about someone coming, an individual with the spirit of God in him, who would bring freedom, liberation, justice, comfort for the brokenhearted, and so on. And it was a a prophecy that a Messiah was coming and would usher in God's kingdom and it would set them free and it would set them free especially from oppression. Jesus was telling them in that very moment, I am the one. What you've been waiting for, here I am. And so began his ministry. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and we are living in that. We are the resurrection people. What a privilege. We are the post-resurrection people. They were living, waiting for something. We have got it. Jesus taught a lot on the kingdom of heaven. As we know, a lot of his parables start with the words, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Although it's the tiniest seed, it grows into the biggest tree in the garden. Even the birds can sit in it and find comfort. Or the kingdom of heaven is like yeast which a woman works into a large amount of flour and it spreads right through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a banquet. A king invites all the nobility to his banquet, but they reject the invitation. And so the invitation goes out to everyone. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer planting seeds. Some will land on the rocky and thorny soil and some will land on the good soil and so on. And lots of parables of this kind. And many of them are about the expansion and the growth and the advance of the kingdom of God, how it can spread from a tiny seed. Many of these are about what happens when you reject the kingdom of God or when you accept the kingdom of God. Parables about forgiveness, parables about vineyard workers who get the same pay, whether they've done one hour's work or a whole day's work. 
and so on. But where exactly is this kingdom? And what does it look like? And what kind of kingdom is it? Now, we of all people, we are a nation who live in a kingdom. Uh, we're one of the few nations in Europe who have a reigning monarchy. And yes, I want to also acknowledge Prince Philip. I, like most of the nation, I imagine, and most of the world, were really saddened to hear of his passing. I think we were really rooting for him to make it to 100. Something about that man, right? Something about the Queen and Prince Philip. There was so much respect and so much love for them, even though we don't know them. But we recognised people who had given their life, don't we? And so even though he, he made it to 99, a really grand age, but he had an interesting life. And his life was mostly about service and duty um, to the life that God had planted him into and to the Queen, of, co of course. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm really thirsty. Mimi, water please. <laughs> now the Queen in the United Kingdom, as we know, she has some power. She has some influence. She's involved in some of the political processes. And uh, what she says matters. We do listen. And the media jump on whatever she does, whatever she says. Uh, but in reality, she's only reigning in part. Is that right? She only rules um, with, within restrictions, within limitation, because we are a democracy, and we love that. Through the democratic process, we get to have our say. We have some control, although it doesn't always go in our favour, but we know that, that's part of the process, and we accept it. And we want the system to work for us. Uh, we want it to serve us. We want to benefit from it, right? That's the kingdom we live in. We want it to be fair, exactly like God's kingdom. Not, thank you, Mimi. Ah, <laughs> oh. she's never been on telly. She is now. You should have waved to your grandparents. Ah, <laughs> oh, the kingdom of God is so different, isn't it? In His kingdom. God is king. God reigns as absolute monarch. He has complete authority over all that happens. He makes the laws. And if we're part of this kingdom, he rules over our lives and we live in complete surrender to him, according to his will and in service to him. Now, the Jewish people were waiting for this very kingdom. They understood this. This is exactly what they were waiting for. Uh, they, uh, they had the prophecies and they were expecting a king who would come and liberate them from oppression, especially pagan oppression, especially the Romans. They hated that. He would ensure justice and fairness for all and Israel would be restored into a great nation, being ruled by her king, God. God would be sovereign. They got it. They knew from the scriptures that an everlasting kingdom was coming and it would be established forever. They were expecting a Messiah who would overthrow the enemy and take back his authority. But God doesn't need to take his authority. He already has it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God is already sovereign over the material world, over the spiritual world. Instead, what happened much to their misunderstanding was that Jesus came to establish 
God's kingdom in our hearts, a very different kingdom. When Jesus read the words from Isaiah, he was using the very language they wanted to hear. Setting captives free, good news for the poor, justice, liberation, God's rule and reign established, his vengeance. To them, this sounded like a military figure who would advance, take over and conquer. This is exactly what Jesus was saying in their ears. But what Jesus was saying was far more radical. And actually, it's even radical by today's standards. Jesus was talking about the last being first. The marginalized and rejected would be invited to feast at the king's table. The widow with her tiny offering, far more precious than the big offerings, because she had given everything. He elevated women, sinners. He ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. He even offered a place at the table for someone like Judas. He loved his enemies. They hated all this. This wasn't the king they wanted. This, wasn't, this didn't sound like justice and freedom. It didn't sound fair. They were thinking, well, where's the kingdom? The one that's going to set us free. The one where we are elevated and we are raised and we are, you know, that, the nobility of the world. Where's that kingdom? Well, first of all, we need to understand that there are two parts to the kingdom. There's the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. We're living in the kingdom now. The kingdom not yet is the second part, and that's when God's kingdom will be fulfilled and completed for the earth. That's when Jesus returns in his full majesty. And that gives many Christians the blessed hope. Jesus is coming back, all will be restored as it was meant to be. But in the meantime, we are living in the kingdom now. And this kingdom is always expanding and advancing the more people are added to it. It's growing all the time. You know, like that yeast that permeates the whole dough, like that mustard seed, you plant it and before you know it, it's taken over the garden. That's how it's advancing. So what does it mean, this kingdom now? Where is it? Well, Jesus answered in Luke 17, chapter 20, it says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or it's over there. The kingdom of God is already within you. That's the answer. It's already within you. That is what the kingdom now means for us. We are living with the kingdom of God in us. If we have accepted Jesus as Lord over our lives, the kingdom is in us. We take it wherever we go. We are the kingdom of God. It's not a church building. It's not the building. When the building is empty, this is not the kingdom of God. <laughs> it's not the meetings. It's not the services, it's not the projects, although those are so important and those are driven by kingdom values and by kingdom people. The kingdom is where God is king and he is king in our lives. You see, during their time, God was confined to a specific place in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. A holy God could not 
be among sinners. But Jesus came and he disrupted that. When it talks about in Mark, the veil was torn in two and the, the, the Roman centurion realized, because the Romans said that the emperor was the son of God. The Roman centurion of all people said, surely he was the son of God. You know, when that moment happened, the kingdom became accessible to everyone. It's where God rules. We bring the kingdom to church. We bring him into the meetings. We bring him into the projects. We take him home again, back to our families. We take him into the supermarket. We take him around the streets, in our friendship circles, in our social gatherings, in our neighborhoods. Wherever we have influence, we bring God's kingdom. And it doesn't matter how big or small. You might be a leader of people, or you might be right at the bottom of the pecking order, but you have influence because you've brought the kingdom of God into that place. Makes no difference. And there are two rules in this kingdom and they're non-negotiables. The first one is love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind, with everything that's in us and love our neighbor as ourselves. Remembering that we and our fellow humans are made in God's image and therefore we will honour and respect all. That is God's kingdom. And who is our neighbour? Everybody. Anyone part of the human race is our neighbour. What does this mean for us? How do we live it out? How do we, Trinity people, and those watching from beyond Trinity people, how do we live it out when we carry this kingdom wherever we go? You know, it's not something we put in a little cart and carry it along. I'm bringing the kingdom of God today. No, it's always in us. It's always with us. Let me tell you, when we moved into our house about four years ago, one of the first letters we got through the post was from the police saying that there had been an attempted burglary on our street. I thought, oh, I've never had one of those. We've obviously moved up in the world. There were no burglaries where we used to live. <laughs> A couple of days later, another one of those letters, different house, another attempted burglary. I thought, I'm not having this. The people of God have moved into the street. Right, that's it. So behind the scenes, I'm praying. I'm praying for my road, not my house, my house as well, but our road, Brookfield Avenue. And I'm praying for Brookfield Crescent, Brookfield Close, Wise Lane that has got some big posh houses, Milespit Hill, and then I started saying, Lord, I don't know the names of all the other roads, but I was picturing them and saying, God, shine, protect these houses, protect us from all this. Haven't had one of those letters since. Little tiny mustard seed, kingdom values. Now and again, I'm reminded, Holy Spirit prompts me, start praying for your area again, you know, and I keep doing that. So I encourage you, little things that we can all do, pray for your neighborhood. A few days after moving in again, I thought, oh God, you've put me here for a reason. We get a letter from a neighbour saying that they'd lost their cat with a lovely picture and please check your garages, check your sheds. Well, I was compelled. I emailed her, didn't I? And I did have to say, sorry, I don't have any news, but I'm praying for you and for your family and I hope you find him soon. And I thought, I, I bet she thinks I'm mad. But anyway, few... Next day, she said, thank you so much. Shortly after I read your email, we got a phone call and we found him. <gasps> and he's now at home recovering from his little hangover, but he's going to be all right. And thank you so much. But, and I said to her, listen, I live at number 53. If you ever want to pop by, and she probably thought, oh, you weirdo. But I don't care. 
I'm a kingdom person. I'm bringing God's kingdom, right? Um, and she thanked me for that. She really did. So thank you for the time. No one does that. Wow. Little things that we can do. You know, I did something some years ago, and it was really foolish when I look back, but I'm okay, I'm alive, nothing happened. I was a long time ago, before mobile phones, believe it or not, I'm that old. But before mobile phones, I know, Jerry, right? I don't, I don't know what went wrong, I'm only 25. But anyway, I was driving on the motorway, and it was my parents' car. I'm, you know, I hadn't long been driving. I know. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm all right. <laughs> I'm driving on the motorway and I saw a family on the side of the motorway, broken down. And this was Sicily, no RAC. They do things on the dodge, you know. And they had completely destroyed their punctured tyre because they'd been going and going and going. Reason being, he didn't have a spare. And his car was exact. But it was a family. There was a mum, a dad, a grandma, a couple of kids. And I stopped. And he's putting the thumb out, hoping someone will have mercy. And I stopped. What was I thinking? Could have been anyway. And he asked me, could he borrow my spare tire? And I thought, no, my dad will kill me if I go home without the spare tire. <laughs> I thought, there are, there's a limit to my foolishness here. I tell you what, I'm not scared of you. You might be an axe murderer, but I'm scared of going home without the spare tire. <laughs> And so I said, look, I can lend it to you, but you know what, we need to go, uh, well, let's go together. And so we did. I took half of his family in my car. They were my, my ransom people, weren't they? And he took my, and he put the spare tire on his, and we went to, we came off the motorway where he was able to find a phone box. That's how old-fashioned we were. And he found, uh, and he phoned his brother-in-law who then came to rescue him. But they thanked me so much. Just, you know, and that, that was probably a big thing. I wouldn't do that now, obviously, but uh, uh, nowadays everyone's got mobile phones and it doesn't happen so much. But just last week, there was a lady in a car park struggling to pay her car parking because the machine couldn't read her card. It was, she tried on my machine, it didn't work. I paid her car parking. It, it wasn't, obviously we're not talking big amounts of money, but, and she was all flustered, didn't know how to thank me, didn't know how, how my, I can't repay you. I'm like, don't, you don't need to repay me. You just pass it on, you know. I'm sowing a seed in her. I said, you do it for someone else or you do, some, you do an act of kindness towards someone else. Little things, kingdom people. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not about money, is it? Sometimes it's just about generosity of time. How often do we see someone we know and we think, oh no, I haven't got time, I can't stop, I'm going to pretend I didn't see her. <laughs> I never do that, by the way. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, those five minutes, you can say, I'm in a hurry, but I just want to say hello, how are you? Those five minutes might just bring some sunshine into their life, might, might encourage them, might lift them. Or an elderly person, they love to talk about the weather. You know, it could just, it could be the most social interaction they've had all week. They're little things. But we're not going to do this stuff if we don't fully grasp God is in me now and I take him wherever I go. We're not going to do these things if we don't start the day by saying, Lord, here I am. I'm ready. Reporting for duty. Send me. That takes courage as well, doesn't it? Send me, Lord. Show me. Who do we need to bless today? Who needs to see Jesus? Holy Spirit, who do I need to pray for? You know, we've all been planted somewhere, in a workplace, in a school, in a neighbourhood. We should be praying for our bosses. 
praying for our employers, thanking God for them, praying for our colleagues, helping our colleagues who are struggling, instead of watching them struggle, how about quietly giving them a hand before the boss realises? Little things that we do, but that are huge in the kingdom because they are like mustard seeds and they expand and they grow. You know, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We are new creations in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has prepared work for each one of us in advance and they are unique to our characters, unique to our personalities and they are unique to our passions. The things I love, you don't love. The things you're good at, I'm not very good at. And so the kingdom is this tapestry of all sorts. And if we all, if we all become strong kingdom-minded people where we have surrendered our whole lives to God and allow him to use us, we will bless and we will see the kingdom advance. You know, I love the little parable in Matthew 13 where it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once the merchant has found this pearl of great price, he stopped searching. Once we have the kingdom of God within us with its eternal life, incorruptible inheritance, and the love of God through Christ flowing through us, any further searching becomes unnecessary. We have everything. And so we become the people who are setting captives free by the power of Jesus, free from sin, from shame, from guilt. We are the ones who are bringing the good news, the message of hope. We are the ones who are comforting the brokenhearted. We are encouraging with our words. We bring hope, joy, peace, and it's contagious. When we walk into the room, it changes the atmosphere. I'll just share one more thing and then I'm done. <laughs> it's a short one, it's all right, don't worry. Years ago, when we went before the adoption panel, many of you know that our beautiful girls are adopted. It's no secret. It's something we're very proud of, and we're very proud of them, of course. When we went before the adoption panel, and especially for Lexi, I remember this, we walked into the room, and I can tell you, you can hear a fly fart in that room. <laughs> it's the only way to express the deadly silence in that room, when you walk into that room, all eyes were on us, but I felt something different that time. I felt that they, they were mesmerized by us. Now, I have to say, before we walked into that room, we were showered with prayer. We had so many people praying over us, praying through us, praying for us, before, after, alongside, throughout, at the appointed time. The amount of prayer, God's kingdom was on us. When we walked into that room, they were mesmerized. And of course, obviously we were gonna get our Lexi because it was God's plan, wasn't it? But I remember afterwards, one of the um, social workers saying to me, oh, there was a lady on the panel who was intrigued 
by the church she belonged to. She wanted to know a bit more. And do you know which church we belonged to at the time? Northwest Church. And I did say, oh, tell her that if she wants to ask me anything. Um, but apparently another couple had gone in and so we'd missed our chance. But we had sown a tiny seed. Someone else will pick it up, yeah? Because that's how the kingdom of God advances. Sometimes we will sow the tiny seed and someone else will continue watering it. Someone else will feed it and someone else will reap the harvest. And one day there's going to be this great harvest when Jesus returns and that is the kingdom not yet. So we are living in this time period that has been set and created by God for the kingdom to advance. We are the privileged ones who get to partner with him, with the kingdom dwelling in us. So I'm just going to pray for us. If we want to see God's kingdom break out in our lives and just want to ask that Holy Spirit prompt us. Can I ask Zoe and Andy to come back? And just, uh, we want to thank you, Lord, for what you did. We thank you that you came to set the captives free. And we were those captives. And we are now living in freedom. We thank you that you have given sight to the blind. And we were the blind. And we now see. We thank you that you came to mend broken hearts. And we were those broken hearted people and our hearts have been mended. And we just pray that as you dwell in us, that it will shine out of us. Wherever we go, whoever we speak to, whatever we do, that kingdom is just shining out of us. I just wanna pray, Lord, that every morning we start the day with you, that we do report for service, we report for duty, but not in a way that's harsh or difficult or striving, but full of joy, knowing that you have good works prepared in advance for us and that they are tailored to us, to our unique personalities. We just pray, Lord, every morning that we will say, Lord, send me today. Who do you want me to pray for? Who shall we pray for, Holy Spirit? May we be excited by what God has prepared for us. I just pray that we will see a breakthrough in our workplace, in our families, where there, where there might be fractious relationships. Lord, we pray, bring peace. May we be the bringers of peace. I pray for our neighborhoods against burglaries and against any other harmful activity which robs people of their peace. May we, the people of God, be bringing your kingdom everywhere. I pray your blessing over traffic wardens. <laughs> May we bring that word of encouragement to them. They are always so reviled and disliked, but it's different in your kingdom. You came for the rejected. And we thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing and how your kingdom is advancing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.